Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Well, we are thankful that um, we've had several men and women that have spoken over the last several weeks and months and on Sundays and Sunday night and Wednesday. And we've heard a lot of good things, great things, a lot of good word. And um, tonight I am, um, I, I asked, I said, well, now who's on for tonight? And they said, well, I guess it's your job. So, okay, here it is. Here you go. Uh, so I said, well, all right, we'll, uh, we'll <clears throat> grow apostolic legacy. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, uh, I want to, <clears throat> used to be, I, was it uh, George Bush uh, Jr. or the second that said, what is there, but who was it? Oh, what is here but there without a T? That was, uh, I don't know who it was. Who said it? President, President Clinton said that. So, what is here but there without a T? So, I thought of, you know, when you say, where I want to find the place, find a place, find the place, I wanted to call it. And maybe it's not, you know, what you would, uh, you could call it by different names, but I, I really had reference to what happened when Moses um, was asked to be in the cleft of a rock, which is sort of a, a place, would be like a, where the rock is, has got a small opening to see the glory of God, and there was that presence of the Lord that he saw. And the answer to that is found in Exodus, the 33rd chapter. Moses asked, I want to find that place with God. I want to be in the place with God. Exodus, the 33rd chapter, and the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft, or clift, in the old King James, of the rock, will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts. But my face shall not be seen. And I, I realize that would... Moses was asking sort of an amazing thing, and God's response was kind of amazing. But you really, to really appreciate these verses in Exodus, the 33rd chapter, you really have to start back in Exodus, the 24th chapter. Of course, we know that they came out of Egypt and they went to Sinai and they were there. Uh, around this mountain, the Mount of God, and there was uh, the sense of it had been 50 days since Passover. And so um, the Lord basically spoke to Moses back in the 24th chapter and said, 
uh, come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and <clears throat> Nadab and Abihu uh, and 70 elders of Israel and worship ye afar off. So the Lord invited them up this mountain that was, of course, enveloped in a cloud, a lightning, fire, kind of awesome, and he invited them to come up. And then the Lord, in this 24th chapter, continues in the second verse and says, and Moses shall come up alone, or shall alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh. Neither shall the people go up with him. And then from verse 3 of the 24th chapter, verse 4, 5, 6, 7, Moses begins to prepare them by doing a blood sacrifice. And then he sprinkles them with blood to make them, uh, he calls it the blood of the covenant, to allow them to even get near the presence of the Lord. The necessity of being in a covenant relationship and having the blood applied. They had already had the blood at Passover. They had already gone through the waters of baptism, if you will, and the Red Sea. They had already <clears throat> sung the song. And now, again, the Lord requires the sacrifice. And this is before he gives them all of the tabernacle and all the and they build the tabernacle and all that. This is before all of that. They've, but here the Lord invites them up in verse 8. And then verse 9, it says, Then went up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, 70 elders of Israel. We also know Joshua was there. And they saw the God of Israel. That would be pretty awesome to get a vision of God. And they saw this God of Israel, and he was, <clears throat> what was he like? Under his feet were, as it were, the work of a what? Sapphire stone. Now, what color is sapphire? Blue. So, it appeared that he was floating in the air, if you will. Blue was under him. Blue being like the sky. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And on the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God, and then they sat down and ate and drank. I mean, that would be fairly amazing to be, to have a buffet or a banquet in this amazing Shekinah of God. God hovering right there over them. Then Moses and Joshua went up a little farther or further and then Moses went on up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. So here it was, children of Israel at the base, Nadab, Abihu, several of them, 70 elders go up further and then Moses and Joshua go up further and then Moses goes up into the cloud. This is in the 24th chapter. And you will see Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. 
And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called out of Moses, called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses walked into the midst of that cloud, got him on the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now in that process of being up there in that place, the place, in the midst of the cloud, in the midst of the devouring fire of God, God begins to tell Moses the tabernacle plan, how to build the tabernacle, all of the, <coughs> begins to go through all of the stuff that we see as the beginning of the commandments and all of that. Here's Moses in the midst of <coughs> that cloud. All of a sudden, as you read God speaking to Moses, he gets down to chapter 32. And all of a sudden, God says to Moses, hey Moses, you better go back down the mountain. You better leave this place and go back down. Because, and then he says some very hard things, because the people are stiff-necked and they're down there <clears throat> worshiping around an idol. And of course, what we know is during that 40 days, the children of Israel have at some point, day 5, day 9, day 10, day 30, I don't know what day, but they go to Aaron and they say, we don't know, but Moses has been devoured by God, destroyed by God. Let us make a golden calf. Now, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu had already been so far up to see the beauty of God and the splendor of God and the, the vision of God and ate and drank with God and yet they embraced this heretical thinking that God could be likened unto a calf. And they made this, Aaron made this golden calf. And the Lord basically said, go down. Now we know, read the 32nd chapter, and we know what happens. Moses goes down, carrying the Ten Commandments, is so angry at what he sees that he breaks all ten in one moment. I guess he's the only one that could break all ten commandments in just a split second. <clears throat> and uh, he, in fact, breaks the table. He melts down the gold, stamps on it, makes it into dust, puts it in the water, makes them drink that, and he is, he is furious. He's hot, he's angry, he's frustrated. And I know that never happens to us, but I'm just saying, you know, being in a great service and feeling the presence of God on Sunday and then we've never been hit with stupidity on Monday morning or by Monday afternoon, so mad that we could just, you know, make people drink whatever it is they're doing, you know, whatever. Anyway, you, you've never had to experience those kind of range of emotions, but Moses did. He's been in the presence of God, and yet he comes down and he is so angry. And basically the Lord 
begins to talk to Moses in Exodus the 33rd chapter and he tells them you guys need to leave. I, here I am on this mount. You need to get out of here. Basically God says, you know, I'm, I brought you out of Egypt and you're acting so ridiculous. You just need to leave and I'll send an angel and before you, and I'll drive out all the Hittites and the Canaanites and the parents, but you need to just go to the promised land. But I want you to know I'm not going with you. Wow. God basically said, you go, I'll bless you, I will make it easy, you'll be able to conquer them. I'll send an angel before you and he'll kill all of them. But I'm not going with you. It's an amazing understanding because just because I have the blessings of God doesn't mean I always have the presence of God. Some people can say, oh, God's blessed me so much and he gave me a this, this, this. It may not be that his presence is with me. Because his presence is very different than his blessing. God basically said, I'll send an angel, just go. And you remember what was Moses' response? In the 33rd chapter, keep reading. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Notice that word friend there. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast found grace in my sight. This is Moses. Thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. Consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. Now the Lord has just said up there in the first part of the chapter, I'm not going with you. But when Moses humbled himself and asked for the grace and the mercy and the touch of God, the Lord's response was, okay, I'll go with you. And I will give you rest. And Moses responded, if you don't go, what? I don't want to go. If you're not there, I don't want to go. It's an amazing sense of humility. And Moses basically laying it out there for the people. He said, this is thy people. He, 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 he says, basically, you brought them out of Egypt. You're the one. This is going to look bad on you, God. Don't allow us. I don't want to go without you. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. I know thee by name. And then what did Moses ask? Show me thy glory. Everybody say glory. glory. 
And he said, I will make thy goodness, to all my goodness to pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and be gracious unto thee, unto whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And thou canst not see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord says, there is a place by me. And those are the verses that we read. Amazing that when to go for looking for this place, all of this other stuff had to go on before Moses was put into the cleft of the rock. He had to, it became... I want more of you, God. I want, I want you to be with me. If you're going to get in the place of God, it's more than just the blessings of God. Moses could have had the blessings of God without being in the place with God. He could have gone on into the promised land and never been in the place. Moses could have at any moment taken it upon himself. As a matter of fact, there's a whole dialogue about Moses, let me kill them and I'll raise you up a seed. But Moses, it was like, no, I, God, I want them, I want me, I want everybody to be, we want you and your presence. And then he said, show me your, what was the word? Glory. I want to see the glory of God. Now, folks, he had just seen this guy floating in space with a blue sapphire stone and he'd been eating. That's kind of, whoa. Wouldn't you say? So this glory of God was more than just looking at God and eating and being blessed by God. And so the Lord put him in the cleft of the rock, put his hand over it and all of that. Now, you say, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't apply to me at all. Well, in reality, when you really look, Paul had a very similar experience in as much as that he asked, to be in a place with God. In the book of Philippians, third chapter. Now we know he wrote this from jail, but at Philippians, the third chapter, starting at about the eighth verse, he says, For I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found, where? In him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. I want to get to the place where I know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be made conformable unto his death. If 
by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend or catch or grab hold to that which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. What? Forget those things that are behind and reach forward unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now Paul was describing this place and, and as you read it repeatedly in his writings, it was a place of joy. It was a place of being in the presence of God. In Romans he said that I may come into you with joy by the will of God and that you may be refreshed. Second Corinthians, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. Galatians. What then has become of the sense of blessing and the joy that you once had from your salvation and your relationship to Christ? Now this he wrote to the church of Galatia. And why is that important? Because if you remember the trouble that the Galatians had where they were Jewish believers that were slipping back into you got to do all the works. You got to do all the works. You got to do all the works. You got to live for God. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, and they were losing their joy. And what Paul was describing is you are leaving the place where God has brought you to. He was basically saying, remember when God first filled you. Remember when you were in that place in the cleft of the rock and for a moment saw the glory of God and saw the brilliance of all that was going on and as you know we live for God and we walk with God and we boy struggle and I have problems and things happen in life and I get sick and problems and folks get COVID and people are not able to be in church and I, if I'm not careful I lose my joy. Not that I've lost out with God, but that I'm no longer in the place. I am not in that place. Oh, you say, but pastor, are you saying, you know, people put it as if, oh, are you saying that only Moses was saved and Joshua wasn't saved? No, but there is a place in the cleft of the rock where you feel surrounded by the rock of ages and you feel the Shekinah of Almighty God and the glory of God. And that's why Paul told the Galatians, he said, what has become of that sense of blessing and the joy that you once had from your salvation and your relationship with Christ? He said, I remember when you would have torn out your eyes to give them to me. That's because you remember Paul had something wrong with his eyes. 
possibly from whenever he was saw the bright light. I don't know, burn his corneas, whatever. I don't know when it was. It, was that the, I don't know if that was the thing that he had that he asked God for. But you read starting in chapter 11, Paul begins further to describe this place. Paul, you want to, if you're ever having a bad day, turn to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and read Paul's bad day or days about how many times he was beaten, how many times he was left for dead, how many times he was stoned, how many times he was taken out. He goes through a whole list of stuff, you know, and I, sure, I've got it rough, man, I've got it rough, pastor. Few knew what I was going through. I understand. <clears throat> but he's talking about all these things in the 11th chapter. He bumps over to 12th chapter. We know there were no chapters in the original manuscript. But in the 12th chapter, he said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. He said, In fact, I want to tell you, I've had visions. And he begins to talk about these visions that he's had where he saw a guy and he's not sure if he was a guy or if he was an angel or if he was an angel from God, but he felt like he was up into the third heaven. And he said, I don't even want to glory in that. But you know what I'm glorying in? My infirmities. Not even the things that were done to me, but I'm glorying in my infirmities. And then he said, lest I would ever be exalted above measure. Lest I ever think that I've had so many revelations and I am so in touch with God. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this I besought the Lord thrice. And you remember I told you that saying it again and again and again. That it might not, that it might depart from me. And what was the Lord's response? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I will rejoice <coughs> in my infirmities. That it, because it moves me. Where? into the place that the more I rejoice in the infirmities that I'm going through because you see the devil's job is to steal our joy to rob us of our strength the joy of the Lord is our strength and so the more the enemy can bombard us and hit us and knock us back and you know this is what 
bad report. This is what's going on. That's going on. The more it steals me of my joy and the more I move from the place of God. And that's where the glory of God is. What is it? That in the midst of, of whatever it is, Paul was saying that every time when I'm going through my worst, when I am able to say, thank you, Jesus, the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. I'm still going to worship the Lord. What I am doing is putting my foot on Satan's head. I am saying, listen, I am not going to lose my thanksgiving. I'm not going to lose my praise. I'm not going to lose my worship. Oh, I may not be able to run the aisles anymore, but you know what? I'm going to keep on. I'm just going to keep believing. I'm gonna, I, I don't feel like it anymore, but you know what? Right now, devil, you're not going to get me down. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to keep, why? Because it's moving me into the place of God. He said, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Then he said, then he goes even further and he says, I take pleasure in infirmities. That's just crazy. In reproaches, in necessities, when I don't have it, when it's Necessities is when I am stretched to the limit in persecution, in distress. For Christ's sake, because when I am weak, I then begin to feel the rock of ages wrapping around me when I don't have any more strength. I begin to feel the presence of the glory of Almighty God. It brings me into that place. Now, Jesus <clears throat> sort of described this when he said things in Luke, the sixth chapter. You can read it. And <clears throat> I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't know that I can do this very well. He said things like, love ye your enemies. Oh, that's easy. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to love people that I'm supposed to love. Be honest? Oh, you know, we've been married over 40 years. I'm supposed to love her. She's not my enemy. But oh yeah, there are times whenever it's, oh man, nobody could make me matter. <laughs> real? Being real? Okay. Jesus said something like, love ye your enemies. Do good to them. Okay, I can love them, but I am not baking them a pie. Now Don and Bit, Bit, I don't know if it was Bit or Don, but one of them made us a pecan pie this past week. But I'm glad I wasn't their enemy. It was very good. Thank you very much. My dad and mom shared it with me. Love your enemies. Do good. Be ye therefore. What is it? Merciful. I don't want to be merciful, but your father is merciful. Forgive, and you shall be given. Forgiven. And then what does he say? Yeah. 
give and it shall be given unto you. Now I know immediately when a preacher reads a scripture about giving, everybody freezes up. He's taking another offering. Notice when he talked about that. Give and it shall be given unto you. What are you saying? If you need mercy, you know what you're supposed to do? Give mercy. If you need kindness, give a little kindness. You need the glory of God, give glory to God. You need the power of God, start worshiping God. Huh? Oh, but I don't feel like it. But that's the principle here. Love, forgive, be merciful. That the, the Lord didn't say, now giving has only to do with money. This wasn't just about money. It applies to money, but it goes more than just money. In fact, Brother Don told me tonight that when it came offering time, I was supposed to say, all of you that don't have on green need to get out of greenback. Make sure you put it in the offering or you're going to get pinched before you leave. Because <clears throat> it's St. Patrick's Day. So I don't know. But I didn't do it because I didn't want y'all to think we were honoring St. Pat. Here's what he says. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you when we give glory and we give honor and we give praise and we give worship. The Lord all of a sudden gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory. When I praise and I don't feel like praising and I give him glory anyway, all of a sudden I feel the Shekinah of Almighty God has slip from wherever I am into the place where I am weak. I don't feel like I am. I don't have it within me, but I'm going to do it because I know that if I give to God, He's going to in turn good measure, press down, shaken together, running over. Not only is God going to do it, but He says He men shall do it. And I know I've had people say, well, I, there's nobody in church is friendly. I said, well, give friendship. Invite somebody over. Well, nobody called me. How many people have you called this week? Huh? Well, I thought, you know, everybody knows what I'm going through. Well, they may, they may not. They may not want to bother you. Send them a card. Send them a text. Give. Anyway. Don't want to get hung up on giving here. I'm finding a place. Even John, who wrote the book of John, wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 2nd John is just one chapter. He ends that letter with, he says, I want to come to you. He says, I know I'm writing to you now, but I really want to come to you and speak to you face to face that your joy may be full. I mean, it's nice to get a text, but imagine if somebody comes by to see you. 
course, we know that Moses could not see but the hinder part of God. And yet Paul in the New Testament says, though we see now through a glass darkly, whenever the coming of the Lord happens, it'll be then face to face. But in 2 Corinthians, he said it like this, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding is in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed from the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are you saying? I am saying that when you get into the place with God and you are just honest and real, Lord, I don't feel you. You don't have to. You don't have to run the aisle. You don't. Have, you just say, Lord, I am. I feel bad. I feel terrible. I don't feel like doing anything. But I'm just going to let you know that it's just because you are God, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand here or sit here, and I am going to praise you. I want to thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you that I'm still in my right mind. I thank you, Lord, for the touch that I have felt. I thank you, Lord, for dying for me on Calvary. I worship you, Lord, for what you... And before long, all of a sudden, I begin to see the glory of God. And it look as I look at it face to face, it begins to change my whole outlook. It begins to change my whole demeanor. It begins to change everything about me. Why? Because I'm moving into the place where it's in the cleft of the rock. Now, uh, uh, let me show you what that means. The Bible says, David said in the Old Testament, thou will show me the path of life in thy presence. It's what? I don't have any joy. Get in the presence of God. I don't have any peace. Get in the presence of God. I'm anxious. Get in the presence of God. I'm overwhelmed. Get in the presence of God. You say, well, it can't be that simple. Okay. What? But you don't understand. If I had, if I got my stimulus check, I would feel better. If I got this, I would feel better. If this happened, I would be, I want to tell you something. All that's temporary. You get your stimulus check, you're going to spend it. That's good. Put some in the offering. That's wonderful. But let me tell you something. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Well, I don't, you know, we've been, we've, it's been so hard and we've had so many deaths and so many people sick and I... At thy right hand... You remember the story? It's Wednesday night, it's Bible scholars. All of y'all know the story. Know it, can tell it to me better than I can tell it to you. Jesus is coming by the house. Lazarus has been raised from the dead. It's been a huge ordeal. Families in a dither. What it? Jesus is in the house. What's Martha doing? Working. Is it bad to work for God? No. Is it bad to make supper? No. Is it bad to set the table and make sure food's prepared? No. But Martha's 
Remember? She's just exhausted. It's been hard. The emotional trauma of her brother and all the stuff that's gone on. And she's anxious and overwhelmed. And what does Jesus say? Martha! When she runs to him and says, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Don't you see? I'm overwhelmed. I am going through it, God. I am burnt out. I am spent. I have done everything I can do. He used the words careful and troubled. What it means is anxious and burdened down with the cares and needs of life and troubled. It means disturbed in mind. You read, look it up, blue letter. Disquieted. He says, there's really only one thing that's needful. What is it? Getting into the place. What's the place? Just there at the feet of Jesus. Sitting there. When you find yourself getting overwhelmed, when you find yourself getting burdened, when you find yourself in the midst of whatever, I know it's important, but you know, I know our lives are busy and we don't have time, but I believe the Lord is teaching us to all of a sudden move into the place. I'm overwhelmed, Pastor. I'm overwhelmed, Pastor. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get through this. I don't know what's going to happen. Get into the place. Sit at his feet. Humble yourself. He said, this Mary has chosen the better. He didn't say the very best. Probably the very best would be to walk with him every day and all that. But Mary sat right here at my feet, just hearing every word, just to be in my presence. What do you say? If there was ever a moment that we threw out all of the stressors and all the things that are going on in our, and around our lives, that if we need to find a place that we can say, Lord, I need to get into the place. I, I know. And, and you say, well, praying and I am praying. You know, you can get into the place by prayer. And, and yet, that is, it, it depends on how you pray. If you're not careful, you can pray yourself into a bad place. Oh, God, why me, Lord? What did I do? Oh, God, it just seems like bottoms dropped out. I don't know. Sometimes, you know what, the best way to pray? Just begin to talk in tongues. Just in prayer. Just begin to let the Holy Ghost flow. Because sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Spirit begins to make intercession for whom? For me. Sometimes I need more prayer than what I'm praying for somebody else. You know, 
A lot of times, the only time we pray is when we pray, oh God, do this, you need to say, and I've got the list. We got a new one in the back for March, and I go through it, and I pull it out, and I'm praying, God, touch this one, and heal that one, and touch Brother Lucader, and touch Brother Keys, and touch Brother Galone, and touch Brother Bill Hitchcock, and I'm going down the list, and I'm praying, and I, it's all right. But you know what? Then there reaches a point sometimes whenever I need to get into the place. And I, I, I need something now, Lord. I, yeah, I've, I've gone through the list. But hallelujah, I need to get back into that cleft of the rock because I, you don't understand. I, I've, been, I've been battered by all the stuff that's going on. And I'm, oh God, touch, touch this family and touch this one and heal that one. But then I need to let the Holy Ghost flow. What are you saying? If there was ever a moment when we can say, Lord, make intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He that searches the hearts know what's the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for whom? The saints. <laughs> I don't even know how to pray sometimes, but the spirit prays through me and it moves me into that place. You understand? According to the will of God. And then the verse says, and we know that When I get into that place, all of a sudden my mind becomes real clear. Every thought, every emotion starts getting submitted to God. And I go, you know what? It's all going to be all right. All things work together for good to them that love God who are the... You don't get to that place until you pray through to the Spirit and get yourself into the presence of God. And I'm not talking about just, oh yes, okay, you know, it's going to be all right. I don't care. I'm talking about, as Paul said, pressing toward the mark, striving toward the mark, pressing. You don't get to that place by just saying, Oh, I love you, Jesus. Put me in that place. Paul said, you go through the fellowship of sufferings made conformable unto death. Lord, whatever it takes. Lord, here I am. Huh? What are you doing? I'm going to the place. <laughs> I'm going to the place. I'm finding myself into the place. You know what I'm talking about? Not only prayer and I know time hey, let me let me go uh, I may have too many I might be able to get them but I don't know Psalms 18th chapter where it says I will love the Lord oh my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress my deliverer my God in whom I will trust my shield my buckler my horn, the horn of my salvation my high tower and then he says, the sorrows of death compassed me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me. In my distress. You know, I started off praising him. The Lord is my strength, my salvation. Woo! And then, boom, I got hit. Isn't that just like the devil? You come from a good service on Sunday night, man, hallelujah, bam! What? 
ungodly men, bad report, this problem, that problem, the sorrows of hell. And he said, I kept calling out to the Lord. Why? He made, what did it say? What did David say? What did he say? He made darkness. You ever get into the valley of the shadow of death where you don't feel like you can see your way through? I want to tell you, the Lord has a place in the midst of the darkness. And David goes on to say, when I get there, all of a sudden the light begins to break forth. What do you say? In the midst of the darkest, deepest place, there is a secret place. His pavilion round about him were dick dark waters and thick clouds in the sky. What are you saying? I'm here to tell you that in the midst of your darkest night, in the midst of the darkest midnight hour, the Lord has a secret place that if you will cry out to God and say Lord I want to move into your place I'm here to tell you you can feel the secret place of almighty God in the midst of darkness and your light will break forth you say oh pastor I you just don't understand I, I know I've been there I'm just telling you what it's like that's why Jesus could tell him let not your heart be troubled you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I know that's talking about heaven in the sweet by and by. But let me tell you, he's got another place just right here. You can move into before you get to heaven. You can find the place that he has for you here as well. Because he goes on and Thomas says, you know, he goes, the way I'm going and the way, you know, Thomas goes, Lord, we don't even know where you're going and we don't know the way. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, what are you saying? <laughs> That's why John continued. He wrote in this third book, for I rejoice greatly. When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walketh in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. And, and I put that there because I want you to understand. The enemy will plague your mind with all kinds of thoughts. But if you don't get yourself to that place of pursuing God. To where I need to get into your place Lord. You have to do it to say Lord. You know what? I know all things work together for good. I, this absolutely doesn't see how this can be good. But it, all things work together for good. Someone told me something just the other day, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but that Brother Lou Anderson had just had a bad diagnosis of, er, of going into dementia. And yet, was it good? They were saying, you know what? Maybe God spared him. I don't know if that's true. 
I don't know all these answers, but one thing I do know is all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You have to get to that place. I wept over these that have passed, Sister Rogers, Sister Marilee, Brother Richard. I, I can go down the list, Brother Anderson, others. And yet I have to say, Lord, somehow I don't understand it, but I need to get to that place where you change my mind. You let me know that somehow, God, you're still in control and all things are good and that everything's going to be all right. That's why the Lord would say things like, abide in me and I will abide in you. And you have to abide in me to bring forth fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And if any man doesn't abide in me, here he is in the 15th chapter talking about this and then he says ask what you will and it shall be done unto you herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and you continue ye in my love if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love and he says these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for my friends, for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You are not servants, but you are friends. Remember that phrase, friends, that God said to Moses? Moses was a friend. If you will do serve God, you can become a friend of God. If you become a friend of God, you can become a son of God. If you understand this, what are you saying? I'm saying I serve him, I serve him, I obey him, and then later I become in a different relationship with Almighty God. Then I become that friend of God like Moses. I literally get to the place where I can get into the place with God. What are you saying? It says it like this. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth much fruit and that your fruit should remain. I, I want to tell you, ask what you shall of the Father and he may give it to you. This is the things I command you that you love one another. That's not easy in this hour. Paul said, I have become a bondservant. David said, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. What are you saying? This hour, serving God, there's even a place then more than just serving God, I can become a friend of God. I can become a child of God. I can get in the place of God. Let's, let's stand. It's good to have all of you here. We sing that song, There is a Place. <clears throat> I think as a body, and as a church, and as a people, sometimes become so vital that we move into the place. It's not easy. It requires sacrificing my will. It requires getting rid of my agenda. Well, my thought 
Lord, is if you would do it this way, and my idea is if you'll do this and do this and do this, well, then... Now, Lord, I need you to... wonder what would happen if by Sunday we just all got in the place where, Lord, we have no agenda. We just want to be in your presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. We're going to just sing for a moment. If you need to go, you're just...